Welcome back, sisters. We are going over part two of our contentment series out of Philippians 4, 10 through 11. This episode is going to be self-examination. And if you know me, I talk a lot about examining our walks to work our salvation out with fear and trembling. This is not fun for anyone, but it is necessary as this is a part of the pruning so that we can bear more fruit. And so our lives really can become transformed. I pray you enjoy this episode. Hi, family. Welcome to God's Word Transforming Lives. Are you wanting to learn the Bible verse by verse, one letter at a time, with real life application? Then this podcast is for you. My name is Amy, and I have been teaching the Word of God to women for over 15 years now. I came out of some trauma from my childhood, and it left me feeling so empty. And after searching high and low with everything the world had to offer, I always came up short until I learned the Word of God for myself. And it was in that that I became transformed. So if you would like to be transformed by God's Word, then stick around and let's do this together. Did you know that I have a study guide that I have written sisters just like you who really want to know the deeper things of God, who want to understand God's attributes like love, God is truth, God is righteous, he's just. What does it mean that he's omnipresent and omniscient? And what does that mean for you personally? When people talk about Jesus and being justified and sanctified and to be redeemed, and how can you apply it to your daily life? And so many other questions like, can we really trust the Bible? And who are we as man? Is hell real? These are great questions that we need to know the answers to as we are walking in our Christ-like faith. To love him is to know him. And Jesus said that we will be worshiping him in spirit and truth. And it is the truth that sets us free. So if you want to go deeper in your walk with God and have more understanding of the things that he has truly done for you and know more of the word for yourself, I highly recommend this study guide. I will have a link for you in the show notes on where you can get it. It is on Amazon and it's called Equipping the Saints. I hope this episode blesses you. Hi guys, welcome back. Okay, so we're going to finish our two-part series because I turned the contentment into a two-part series and we're going to go back to the word again, Philippians 4, 11, and 12, as we've been talking about that, that elusiveness of being content in all things. You know, how is it that when Paul was stoned when he was shipwrecked when he was in prison that he was content in that situation we get a hangnail and we're not content i mean we get you know any little thing happens to us and it's like the whole world's coming to an end we have not learned how to be content and so we talked about last time you know some of the things that we can do to start learning how to be content and it's focused on learning who god is being grateful when we really understand our salvation and what Christ has actually done for us, you know, getting our mind off earthly matters and back onto eternal things, back onto the fact that we are seated at the right hand of the Father with Christ, that there is an inheritance that awaits us, 
that what can man do to us? If God be with us, who can be against us? We're sitting in the palm of God's hands. We have a good shepherd who is loving us and tending to us and protecting us. You know, when we start learning those things, we will be a lot more content in our life when things are thrown in our way. The one thing I was really thinking about is I think because I'm going off of these two verses. So I'm just going to read them again real quick. Verse chapter four, verse 11 and 12. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned, so this is something that we have to learn. This is part of our sanctification walk. Whatever state I am to be content. And my member, he wrote this while he was in prison. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. So I was thinking about this and, you know, I was thinking, I was actually talking to a girlfriend of mine, uh, another sister in Christ the other day about this. We were just kind of talking and I said, you know, we said, you know, sister, I think because we live in the West and we are so less that we actually, it actually works against us. And that's why we have such a hard time being content. And I, cause I was thinking, I was just like, it seems like the more we have, the more we want, we can never just have one set of golf clubs. We need two. We can never just have one boat for, I don't know. We need two. And maybe we don't need two boats or two campers, but it never just seems to be enough. You know what I mean? Like this camper, we were so excited when we bought this camper, but now I want a bigger camper. I want one that has, you know, flat screen TVs and whatever. I don't even have a camper. Well, no, I'm just, I'm throwing things out there that I can't just be happy with a medium sized wardrobe or something that's, you know, fine. I want more, right? I want more clothes. I want more shoes. Like I have, how many pairs of shoes do we have, right? We have one, we got shoes for every outfit and every occasion and every, sporting thing, right? Like I have hiking boots. I have rain, like boots for the snow. I have tennis shoes for the gym. I have casual tennis shoes for when I'm going, when I go out on casually, right? We have like, and I have, you know, multiple colors of sandals for the summer, multiple colors of the the heels. And I'm not shaming, like, this isn't like a condemnation thing because there is no condemnation. Those are in Christ. It ha- I'm thinking even on self-reflection. So that's what's been going on, like self-reflecting, like, am I content, Lord, or do I want more? Am I just content with everything you've given me? And something my husband and I have been talking about lately is we are so content. Like we really are. I We have never been so content as we are right now uh, in our lives where we're just really content with everything we have. And the funny thing is we've downsized our life considerably. So it makes you wonder, like, is more actually making us less content, having more money in the bank, having more, because it just seems like, what's the word say? It says that the belly is, it's never enough. It's you're never full. I think we talked about that because who ends their destructions, whose God is their belly and whose Glory is their shame who set their mind on earthly things. That was Philippians um, 319 when we went through that with false teachers. But is our God, our belly, our appetites, can we stop like the old commercial with Lay's like with just one chip? Are we content with just one chip or do we want the whole bag or what half the bag, right? That's your appetite. That's that I need more. I've got to have more. And that's what I think we're seeing in Babylon is because we are so blessed here that we 
are not content with just what we have. We have comparisonitis, right? Always compare, always trying to keep up with the Joneses, always trying to compare ourselves to other people thinking they have, they have more. I want more. We have found comfort. We, because we have so much comfort and we never, we don't hear the word no very often, you know, it just, it's really, we're spoiled and, you know, and again, we're blessed, you're blessed. And I want to say that no matter how you probably live here in America, you are wealthy compared to 98% of the rest of the world. We live in mansions. Like even if you have like a two bedroom, thousand square foot apartment, that is a mansion compared to the places and shacks and how most of the world lives. We are so blessed, but yet we always want more. And that's concerning. As Christians, we are to live temperately and we're to live when self-control and we're to be content, right? And so I was thinking the other day, and this is before I even really started studying the whole thing on contentment. I've just been thinking about contentment. So, you know, how am I content? And, you know, do I appreciate everything that God has given me? And am I, am I, do I have a thankful heart? I was thinking about our cars. Like we both, we have two old cars older like our van is like 2000 i don't even know they're old 2005 maybe and then the other one's 2011 i don't even know that might not be right i don't know they're old they're just both old they're such a blessing though like our van is the is is our be the church ministry van it has that girl that old girl has taken so many people to and from church to and from bible studies to and from events she has lifted 2000 pounds of food every week to the food pantry. She continues to be a blessing. She is rusting out. She is old. She is, you know, on her last leg. I appreciate that van so much. And I don't care when I drive it around, like what people think, you know, like, oh, look at that old van. So it's mine. It runs. I'm so grateful. And then our other car, again, it's, it's, it's pretty old, older, you know, and I think it's like 2012, maybe I think, I think it's a 2012, but anyways, but it's our, um, it's our company cleaning car. So it's always full of chemicals and it's always full of like vacuum bags and all this stuff because he runs supplies when he'll go fill up counts and whatnot. And so it's all lettered up. And I was just thinking, the other day, how grateful and thankful I am for those two cars and how much I have grown and matured because the old me would have been like, I need you to go get me another car. I need a newer car. I need something that doesn't not all lettered up and, and looks good and rides nice. And maybe has some Bluetooth attached to it. Maybe has, you know, some of the new bells and whistles, especially, you know, in Ohio in the winter, I want something that heats my seats up. Come on now. You feel me, right? I don't like, I literally don't desire to get another car, but it's just, it's not a need. God has supplied all of our needs and I am content. I'm grateful. Contentment comes out of gratefulness. I am thankful that we have two cars that run. They're not nickel and diamond us to get to death. They both run my, like I said, the van's on our last leg and she needs, she needs quite a few repairs. And so we got to make a decision on whether or not we're going to make the repairs or have to, you know, put her to rest. I don't know, whatever, but God still has it running. I'm grateful and I'm thankful. It's one of those things where it's like, 
I could go out and get a car because I want a car because I'm not content with my cars, but I don't need a car. And that's, I think what Paul was saying here is like, he's grateful that they sent him a gift that they sent Aphrodite to go and walk all those miles to Rome and risk his life and, and bring him plies and money. And then even, you know, got sick while he was there. And Paul, remember, he said, man, I would have been so heartbroken if something would have happened to him because Paul didn't feel like he had a need. He's grateful that they thought of him and did that, but he he didn't need it. You know, it blessed him, but he didn't need it because he's, he's so content in Christ. And I thought, how can I apply that to my own life? And I thought of the cars. I thought of I have these two cars. They are older. They don't look the greatest. They run fine. They get us from point A to point B, you know, and so I don't have a need. I don't feel like I need a car, but say somebody just loves us a whole lot for whatever reason, and they have a lot of money or whatever, and they just, they have a car and they want to bless us with a car. And so they, they make the effort to go and get this nice car and they bring it to my house and drop it off and say, here, it's a gift for you. We brought you this gift. I would cry. I'd be like, oh my gosh, you know, I'd be so full of gratitude and like, why would you think of me like that? Why would you do something so kind and and generous? Like, wow, but I didn't have a need. But that doesn't mean I'm not grateful, right? So I don't need another car. And I'm perfectly happy with the two cars I have right now and that they are doing all that they can. And I'm so grateful and I thank God for them. And I actually do in my prayers. I thank him for our cars and all the things and everything he does for us. So I don't have a need. But that doesn't mean that if someone didn't bring me a new car, that I wouldn't be completely grateful to God first and then to them for such a sacrificial gift. And that's Paul's heart here. That's what he's saying. He wasn't being like, I didn't need that, but whatever. Thanks. No, he was like, I was content in my suffering. I was content if that I didn't have any hard, not a lot of food and I didn't have the supplies, but I'm so grateful that you guys brought me and risked everything. And it took out of your lack so that I could have these things, but he just wants to make sure that everybody understands that he is content and he's asking for nothing because he doesn't have a need because his father in heaven supplies all of his needs. That needs to be the heart of the church. That was our heart in our ministry was that, you know, we didn't take up an offering and pass a basket, pass a basket and all of those things because God supplies all of our needs. And because we're one body, when there's a need that arises, the body should come together and supply that need. And so we were, con- we're content. We were, were content in everything that God's has when God is your God and you know that he's your God and he's called you to something and that he is, he will supply all your needs. That is what Paul understood here. Remember like Hills plow, our needs will be over overflowed and pressed and all that, you know, that when you give God gives back, it doesn't always necessarily mean financially because our needs are not necessarily our wants, Right. And so we have to be really careful. God did not promise us mansions and cars and fancy vacations and a fat bank account. Those promises are not made, but he did promise us that he would supply all of our needs. And I'm so grateful because all I need is a car that gets me from point A to point B. And he has more than supplied that. I have two that get me from point A to point B. 
He is so good to me and I'm thankful and I'm grateful, right? He has supplied me with a home that is modest and it's not very big. You know what I mean? But it's a roof over my head. It keeps me warm. It, it keeps it keeps the lights on. It keeps me ability to do this. And I'm able to bring people in and bless them in my home. He's given us some property with the home. He has given us more than we could ever ask for. And I'm so grateful. Where contentment must come in is being satisfied with everything that you already have. And, are, and could your discontentment, as with our discontentment at one time, be because you have too much? Because a lot of times more breeds wanting more. Sometimes, right, our bank accounts are never full enough. I want more. I need more. Our 401ks are never enough. I want more. I want more. Our houses seem to be never be big enough. I don't even know, like whatever the hobbies are, right? You just, you got to have more. You got to do better. You need more. It's never enough. You're never satisfied. Like, can we, and we've talked about this before. Can we be satisfied with just going golfing like once a month? Or do we have to go like every day or every week? You know, are we really content? What consumes us? What's taking of our time, talent, treasure? I've said this so many times. And so, and I had somebody, somebody said this to me. This was a long time ago, like decades ago. I remember somebody said, if you want to know who your God is or what your God is, open up your checkbook. Or for us, it'd be open up your bank statement, right? And look through your bank statement. What do you spend your money on? That'll tell you a lot about where your affections lie, who your God is. I read a quote when I was studying for this and I read it and I don't remember who, who said it, I don't remember who it was, but it was really good. And I'm going to butcher it. It's not because I didn't write it down, but the, he said, you know, the widow gave out of her lap, right? We all know the story of the widow's might where she gave out of her lap and the Pharisees gave out of their abundance and they gave very little out of their abundance. And it says that is commonly attitude of the church today is we, we don't, we think of how much do I, oh, he was talking about like the, the, the love offering of giving like a tithe, you know, a lot of churches teach the 10% tithe. We are to be givers for sure. No doubt about it, but we are, we are by no means under a 10% law. We're not under the Jewish law, the, the law for Israel. We are a new Testament church. And so we'd be free will givers and we're to give out of, out of um, joyful hearts. This is what he was saying. He said, we're always so worried about the 10% tithe. He goes, but we're asking the wrong question. We should be looking at everything we have and saying, how little can I live off of so that I can give more for the gospel of Jesus Christ? That should be the heart of the believer. And that was the heart of the New Testament church of the early church. They weren't trying to get rich and, and build themselves up and build their own mini kingdoms here. They were concerned about getting the kingdom furthered. Remember, they all gave everything they had and laid it at the apostles' feet. To what? To get the gospel out. They weren't sitting there going, well, after I paid for my, uh, you know, my two car payments and all my insurances and this big house I'm living in. And remember, we're saving for that fancy vacation. And don't forget, I really want to buy that new Gucci purse. And, you know, right. They, and, and then, OK, what do we have left over? OK, we'll give that. That's not that should not be our heart. And I'm not condemning anybody. There's no condemnation in Christ. This is something we all need to examine our lives with. I need to examine my life with this as well. Is God first place in my life? Because if I'm truly content, then I don't need to go buy more. 
I don't need to go get more. How much is enough? And how much it'll never be enough. I promise you. That's the point. It will never be enough. You guys, you'll never have enough lipstick. You'll never have enough skincare. You'll never have enough clothes. You'll never have enough shoes. You'll never have enough hobbies. You'll never have enough whatever it is that you are bent towards, you'll never have enough food. You're always going to want more. You're always going to desire the next best flavor of cheesecake or the next best restaurant to open up or that, you know, that's why these fast food restaurants constantly are bringing in these new items, right? Keep you coming back, keep you wanting more. And then they fill it with all these chemicals and, and all of these sugars and things that we get physically addicted to and then what we want more and we 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 need more we need to learn how to fast and i'm i'm talking a biblical water fast but also fast from our phones fast from electronics fast from entertainment fast from our hobbies fast from whatever and go lord where can we downsize? I think we could all go through a good downsizing. I know this teaching's going on a little long, but I think it's something we really need to talk about and we need to think about and we need to pray about. Can we downsize our life? Are, can we sell things, get rid of things? Do we have more than enough in certain areas? Where can we stop spending so much money on things that do not have eternal purpose? So that we can start giving more for the eternal purpose. I don't know. I, I'm not in your life. I know that I have become more content the more I've downsized. The more I've uh, shrank my business, we downsized our business, way downsized our business. Downsized our living. We downsized the ministry. Even the good things. It was good. It was all good. And it was doing great work. But we had to downsize it. And you know what? I'm content. I want to do more for the Lord. I want to touch more lives for him. But I'm content in the season that he has me in because I trust his sovereignty. I trust who he is. And I know that he is taking care of me. No matter where I find myself, he loves me. He chose me. I'm his daughter. He has me right where he wants me to be. He has you right where he wants you to be. But maybe he is calling you to some things here and that we, we need, again, do some self-examination. I'm all about self-examination. I think it's healthy for the Christian to be self, not, condem not condemnation, not shame, but just healthy self-examination. We're called to self-examine all through the scriptures. Look at our lives. Open up our lives. This, this book, it's a mirror, you guys. It's a mirror to our lives. And I look in the mirror and I go, does my life line up to this mirror? And if it doesn't, then praise God, I get to make changes. And he has given me the power and the ability through the Holy Spirit to do so. And I'm super excited to do that. It's not always fun. Pruning hurts. Pruning is painful. Cut back your rose bushes, right? Cut back your fruit trees. You're cutting it off. It hurts but it produces greater fruit. And as far as I know, again, going a little long here, but let me just mention one more thing. because This is something that was pressed upon my heart is we need to get back to fasting, fasting, biblical fasting, shut your phone off, shut the TV off, shut the computer off, shut the world completely off for 24 hours and shut the food off. You will find a new discipline within yourself and contentment. I think you'll, I think for all of us, we will see how much social media, television, 
being in the world, the electronic really influences us and actually feeds into the wanting more. This is something that the Lord has been showing me lately through his word, that all these distractions in Babylon is actually feeding that flesh to want more. And so I think if we would fast from all of it, every, maybe even just once a month, let's try that for 24 hours, shut the phone completely off, unplug all the televisions, say no to anything on the computer, like nothing. And just devote yourself to prayer and fasting. That's what they did. It was all about prayer, the word of God and water. That's it. That's it for 24 hours. And I bet that we would detox. I think we need to go through a good detox, not just our physical health, but our mental, emotional, and spiritual health needs a good detox from Babylon. I love you guys. I know I ramble, but I pray that I gave you food for thought today. What areas in your life are you not content and why? And what can we do to learn how to be content in all situations? If the Lord, God forbid, would give you a Job experience and take everything from you, like Job, would you still be content in the sovereign God? Or are we only content when God is giving you everything you want and more? We all need to think about that. I love you guys. Lord, I just pray and bless my my sisters, Father, as we are self-examining together here, Lord. As we are coming to you, we're taking your word, we're using it as a mirror into our own lives, and we're saying, where am I not content? Help me to be content, Lord. Where can I downsize my life? Where have I given too much? And what area of my life have I given too much to? And now it's like a monster that's always wanting to more and more and more. Is it food? Lord, is it our hobbies? Is it our spouses, our children, our homes, our cars, our vacations, our job, our bank accounts, our 401ks? Father, where are we not content with exactly what we have and where we are right now today? Thank you, Lord, that you examine our hearts. We ask Holy Spirit that you take that flashlight of examination into our hearts and illuminate those things that still need refined out of us. I thank you for the sanctification road because we are looking more and more like Christ as we're on this road together. Father, I thank you that your word is transforming our lives, is transforming our minds and that you are gracious and full of mercy with us while we're being sanctified, that we don't have it all together yet. We're not perfected yet. We won't be until we meet you in heaven. So you continue to show us grace and mercy as we're walking this out. Thank you, Lord. Bless my brothers and sisters. Touch their lives. Be with them. I pray healing over them. I pray for their finances, their homes, their marriages, their kids, their lost loved ones, their jobs. Father, a lot of people are struggling right now. And I just pray for them that they would find contentment even in the suffering God, just as Paul did. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you guys so much. God bless you. Family, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If it has blessed you in any way, would you give me 30 seconds and share it with a friend of yours? One more small little favor, if you would. Head over to whatever podcast source you're listening to this on and give me a five-star review. That would be so great. It helps get the episodes out there to other people who may be wanting to learn God's word. Again, don't forget, guys. Until next time, it is a crockpot faith, not a microwave. With God's word, discipleship, and patience, you too will be transformed for his good work. 
grace and peace I leave with you until next time.